Hello, I'm so excited and honored to be here today with author and actor and incredible travel writer, Andrew McCarthy. Hi, Andrew. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks very much. I have to tell you, I so enjoyed being at the travel show with you and listening to you talk about your new book. Congratulations. Oh, thanks very much. Thank you. Yes. So um, for people that don't know, tell us a little bit about your brand new book, because if I'm right, this is book number four. It is book number four. Yeah. It's called Walking with Sam, uh, a father, son and 500 miles across Spain. Yeah, we it's uh, a walk I took across the old Camino de Santiago in northern Spain. And it was a walk I'd done first 25 years earlier and something I it was a real life changing experience to me uh, when I did that. It was, uh, I guess, in a nutshell, it, it back then I had a moment, a sort of white light experience, if you will, of uh, in the middle of a field of wheat, a sobbing breakdown where I realized how much fear had dominated my life, you know, and I never knew fear was even a factor in my life until that moment of its first absence, you know, and I, there was suddenly space and I felt like myself. My wife is always Irish. She has all these good Irish sayings. And one of them is I felt like myself from the toes up. And I... In that field of weed, I felt like myself from the toes up in a very real way, in a way I hadn't before. And that changed my life. It started me traveling the world. It's what led to me becoming a travel writer. Anyway, so that first journey was a real life changer for me. And it, the Camino was something I'd always wanted to do again. And, uh, and my son was 19 and sort of beginning his own life out in the world. And I didn't want to our relationship to end. You know, when I was 17, I left home and my relationship, in essence, ended with my dad and it was one of the larger regrets of my life, and I didn't want that to happen. So it was a journey about trying to rewrite how our relationship is cast, as opposed to parent-child, into two sort of adults, you know, seeing each other for who we really are, as opposed to seeing the dynamic that exists between parent and child. And yeah, it was a profound uh, experience. I knew the first time it was so profound, I knew I thought something might happen the second time as well, and uh, and we weren't let down. The Camino has a way of doing that. The Camino, if you just keep walking, has a way of sort of teaching you what needs to be taught. And and for anybody who's listening that's not entirely certain about the Camino, it, it's a pilgrimage route. It's across Spain. Could you say just a few words about how do you know a bit more about I know you have it in your book, but how sure. did it get started? Why? Why do people do these walking journeys? Well, why do people walk is a whole other conversation and a, a good one. But the Camino started in the 8th century. The Catholic Church said that the bones of the Apostle St. James had been discovered in the farther and westernmost reach of the Iberian Peninsula. And anybody who marched there would get half their time in purgatory knocked off. But really what it might have been more about was real estate because Islam had taken over Spain and the Catholic Church wanted it back. And so they said, while you're walking across Spain to get your almighty soul purged and cleaned, kick out those damn Moors. So it was about um, the Christian reconquest of Spain. And that's what's the beginning of the Crusades and the Knights Templar and all that good, bloody, gory uh, history. And I mean, and it's still a religious pilgrimage, although most people, I think, now don't walk it for that particular reason. And even the Catholic Church has walked back entirely that the bones of St. James are there, or that James was ever even in Spain. They, they've kind of fessed up to that. Um, so it, it's a, a pilgrimage route that people have walked since then, and millions and millions of people have walked it over the centuries. It fell out of favor after after the reconquest, you know, and, and during the middle, uh, during the Renaissance and all that, very few people made the walk. But early in the 20th century, mid 20th century, it started to gain popularity again because of uh, there were just a couple of priests actually along the way that tried to 
reintroduce the root and they succeeded. It's an amazing journey, an amazing journey. It's uh, And walking, as we touched upon, I, I think walking really has a profound effect on people in a way that, particularly in our culture now where we walk so little and don't spend the time, you know, because when you're walking the Camino, all you're doing is walking. You're spending seven, eight hours a day walking and you're finding food and finding shelter, which is not difficult to do on the Camino. Um, it's not like you're on the Appalachian Trail where you've got your whole world on your pack and you have to really learn how to survive. You know, the Camino, you're just walking. And uh, there's something to that. And there's something about flowing into the current of millions of people who over centuries have done the same. That's really can't be denied. I agree. I, I haven't walked that yet, although I'd like to, but I did a couple of eight day treks in Nepal. And I, there is something about being so focused on walking from one place to the next. Well, and it's like you don't even have to focus, really. You just have to just keep going. You know, you can have all your own. You have some big agendas for things that are going to happen, and you're going to have these big experiences. And, you know, the, the walk's just going to do what it's going to do to you, and it's going to reveal you to yourself in a way. You know, a lot of people walk just the last week or so of the Camino. And stuff. I always say, that's fine. That's great. That's all you can get off from work, or if that's all you want to do, that's fine. But the gold is in the attrition that happens over a long period of time over four or five weeks of walking and that's where the, the real in my experience the the, um, the magic is in the exhaustion <laughs> right so five weeks is a very long time and and you referenced that the walking is its own conversation so you recently had an amazing piece in the new york times about the walking as the worst kept secret <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think, you know, it was the Camino, the first time I did it, that really made me realize this. I, I always looked at walking as sort of the slowest way to get anywhere. And over time, I've come to realize that walking may actually be the event itself, you know, and there's much documentation of many more intelligent people than me about how profound walking is, you know, it, it gives all, all that sort of hamster wheel stuff that goes on in our brains all the time just gets burned off and we drop home to ourselves you know and it, it's well documented to fuel creativity you know you could be home at your computer all morning pounding away and you go out for a walk and suddenly oh that's the answer you know and that's that's doesn't happen by accident and that happy accident happens over and over and over when you walk you know so there's something we were born to walk we were born to move at a walking pace you know it's just not something and the sense of rhythm that happens to step after step i think is appropriate to the mind and the mind wants that and craves that and the emotions want that and crave that so i, I find walking you know often highly under undervalued during this time of covid coaster and you you reference that people have had a lot of fears come back and a lot of alienation. And I, I think you mentioned that specifically in your talk in New York, that it's been a really hard time for people. I took a meditation class at UCLA and they kept talking about walking meditation, that you don't necessarily have to go for five weeks, although I think that'd be better, but that there is something very innate in the walking. Oh yeah, no, I'm just going out for a good walk for a half hour. It changes the way you feel, you know? <laughs> it's a famous line, you know, if you're in a bad mood, go for a walk. If you're still in a bad mood, go for another walk. I mean, <laughs> there's something about uh, just, you know, popping out for a half hour. It, there's, there's something about it. Yeah, I think it's certainly better than going to sit and have a cup of coffee. Well, and yeah. I think there's also something you talked about, you know, re um, ev evolving. I was going to say repairing, but re evolving your relationship with your son to an adult relationship. And I know early on in your book, he talks about um, he's not going to be on TikTok anymore. And 
there's other issues about you know who's going to find food and and learning to speak Spanish. Can you talk a little bit more about what do you think that does for families that need this ability to have the time to connect? Well, one of the greatest luxuries, probably the greatest luxury you can have with an adult child is time. You know, my relationship home is like, hey, Sammy, you want to go have a get, get some sushi? OK, see you later. You know, and so to just have the time, you know, and in, in having that time, not feeling the need to problem solve, advise, all those boring parent things that kids don't really want from us, you know, to just walk beside and listen. And to just be able to go at times, I don't know, I don't know. You know, on the second day of the walk, Sam said to me, what's the point of this effing walk? And, you know, he didn't say effing, he didn't say effing. So, and on the last day he said, dad, that's the only 10 out of 10 thing I've ever done in my life. You know, so the penny drops, you know, I just had to keep him walking. I think like in the third or fourth day, he said, uh, is there an airport in Pamplona? You know, so it didn't take much to sort of get under that thought. But once the sort of, he settled. I knew, you know, I knew he would have a big experience and I didn't have to curate it. All I had to do was walk beside him. You know, that's one of the things we think we need to do as parents is curate our children's experience in such a degree. And um, I trusted the walk enough, having done it and having known its profound effects on me that just sort of just keep walking and just walk beside him. Just My son was processing a lot of stuff in his life at the time. And you know, you sit him down for a chat, you're not going to get very far, but you get him moving. Eventually it all comes out, you know, and so we'd start the day walking. And I remember I would always just actively tell myself, don't speak, just walk. And whether it took five minutes or 45 minutes, eventually. So, so anyway, I was thinking blah, 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 and all there it comes, you know, and it's a real privilege as a parent to be able to receive our kids, you know, you know, at the end of the walk, when he walked, came marching up in Finisterre there at you know, I just stood there. I took a taxi out at the end to receive him at the sea. And the beautiful thing is he let me receive him. People have to allow you to receive them, you know, and there's a beautiful thing in that. It is a beautiful thing. And I, I wonder if there's a piece of that that comes from also your acting background about stepping into different roles and, and having been an actor for so many decades of, you know, being able to see things from different perspectives. Do you think that informs any of that i mean i loved all your movies and you've done so many interesting roles i don't know that it does actually um it'd be a nice link up to make but i'm not sure <laughs> that they really do i think it's just trying to be present and awake in your life and whether that's being an actor you know actors certainly learn about behavior and to be observant mm -hmm. you know but um and certainly being able to be observant to our loved ones and actually see them see them that's all any of us want right see me see me and so but i don't know that that's anything to do with acting one thing i did love i've been watching the resident and i love your character on the resident i love <laughs> that so many of the characters on the resident have these very grand arcs they're very troubled and then they get changed but i loved when your character got to talk about instead of going to rehab that he was walking in spain i thought that was brilliant I know that was a funny coincidence. I had not, they didn't know I'd walk the Camino at all. And that was just a total coincidence. But um, yeah, I enjoyed doing that show. I hadn't acted in about uh, 10, 15 years. I'd been directing largely and, and travel writing. And um, so that's just something that came up and it, I really enjoyed doing it. It was, you know, I started acting at 15 and it, it saved my life when I was a young, young guy. Um, I really located myself in acting. And so 
to go back to it again was kind of just like breathing to me in a very real way. It's like that joke about the two fish swimming in the water and one swims by the other and says, morning, ain't the water fine today? And the other one says, what water? You know, it's sort of, that's where I felt when I was active. So like, oh, there I am. That's, this is, this is who I am, you know, and to a very real degree, it, it is. It's, it was, I really, really enjoyed you and that show, just like I really enjoyed your talk. Can you say a little bit more in case some people didn't get to hear you at the travel show, but a little bit about the magic road in Ireland and, and how your travels, like leaning into being present really changed your life. You went golfing and everything changed. Well, yeah, there's a, a road in Ireland. Um, or a place in the, and I found that there are people come up to me in, in many, several places in the world, thing called the magic road. It, but, but it came from, um, which is it, that it defies gravity, that your car will roll uphill. And um, it came from doing a, a article, I did an article for a magazine about Ireland and they said, well, we need something for online creates. We need some online content. Can you make a video? And I said, sure. About what? And I said, oh, just something Irishy. And uh, <laughs> okay. And it, there's still, it's really about what's interesting is that it's and why I became successful as a travel writer was because I intuitively knew, perhaps because I'm there because of my acting experience. Tell a story. Don't sell a destination, tell a story. And that's what's important. And because you tell stories, people lean forward and they're engaged and they're interested. So when they wanted something Irishy, I went, well, I don't know what that means, but I can be, and Ireland has is full of leprechauns and magic and all this Irishy kind of stuff. So we're, what's a physical manifestation of that? That would be the magic road, which is a story you can tell of searching for the magic road because quest stories, as you know, always work very well. So I just, um, I went looking for the magic road and found it because it's always good to find something if you're questing in a story. And, uh, and it was particularly Irishy and, you know, what you need in those kind of things to create an Irishy thing is to create, uh, encounter a lot of Irish characters. And so asking everyone I met, have you heard of the magic road, uh, played into that nicely. So it, it was a nice story to capture the theme of Irishiness. Um, and Ireland's a great place. I mean, I love Ireland. So I, I have a home there. My wife's Irish. And so we've been going for decades now. So I have a great uh, affection for Ireland. It's one of the few places in the world that's exactly like what you think it's going to be. And more, you know, particularly when you get out in the country. The, the city doesn't become quite sophisticated and quite um, liberal thinking. Uh, but the country is still just what you think it is in Ireland. And I, I love Ireland. I'm just back from being in Ireland and I got to go to the north and I walked a hawk. I mean, there's so many magical things about Ireland. And I agree with you. I've heard you say that, you know, we learn when we travel that people are just like us. But I'd love if you could talk a little bit about you say that travel is our best hope for the world. Well, I do feel that, you know, the, you know, that famous Mark Twain line travels fatal to prejudice, bigotry and narrow mindedness kind of says it all. You know, I think my soapbox is that <laughs> I'm, I'm proud to be American. I wouldn't want to be anything but American. I, I love living in America, but I think America in many ways is a very, very fearful place. And we make a lot of our decisions based in fear. And when we make decisions, not all my fearful decisions have been bad, but most of my bad decisions have been based in fear. And so I think that if Americans got out, how many of us have passports? What's it, 38%, something like that? How And half of us have used them? I mean, that's an appalling number. And I, so I think if Americans got out into the world, they would realize 
that the world is in a, a place that embraces us and people love Americans in the world and the world is a much safer place than we've been led to believe because of political agendas here. We've been led to demonize people and that just isn't the case. You know, what, what you go out in the world and you really see so many people kind of are able to separate our government from the people, which we don't seem to be able to do as Americans very well. People often go, I don't really like your government, but Americans are wonderful. They're kind, they're open-hearted, they're, they tip well, you know, they're polite. And so people receive Americans in a wonderful way. And I think there's nothing better than particularly traveling with children, because traveling with children basically says, you're making yourself very vulnerable and you're saying, receive me, receive me. And in doing that and making yourself open like that, invariably you are received. You know, I, I think one of the most important things we can do is ask for help, you know, on the road and at home, you know, because it brings us, makes us right sized. It's like we shrink back down when we're at home and in our routine and all that. We've all big shots in our own lives. And that, does, that doesn't do us any good. And so I think when you go somewhere and you ask for help, it's sort of is, is nothing more powerful than that. You know, being vulnerable is a is a strength, not a weakness, you know. So I think Americans went out and saw the world. They come back and realize, oh, it's not what I thought. And they tell two people and they tell two people and they tell two people and we change. So I think we're not going to change the world by governments and things like that, but by personal experience of going out there. And uh, I do, I, I like to say that I'm going to have to change the world one travel story at a time. Because if they write a story and someone gets up off their couch and goes, when they hadn't been going before and it inspires them to do that, then I've got a good day's work. I think that's really beautiful and really important that we do all need to remember to ask for help and, and to lean into the people around us. I think it's so beautiful that you were able to take this 500 mile journey with your son. And I did love, I saw it on your Instagram, I think your other son had a comment about how the book could have been better, your younger son. <laughs> Yeah, when the the books arrived, you know, my publisher sent me a few books before it uh, last week, uh, as it's about to come out. And my young son, who's nine, picked it up and started looking, reading it. And he read a half a page or something, and he closed it and said, "Would have been better if it was about me." <laughs> so, <laughs> so another critic has spoken. Do you think that it's something you might do with your other children someday? Sure, if they wanted to, I'd love to. I mean, you know, I, I think my daughter would rather go to Paris, but. Uh... <laughs> well, maybe she can go to Paris and walk. Yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure she's much of a walker, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like we said, traveling with kids is, you know, creating citizens of the world is the best gift we can give them. That's so beautiful. And before I let you go, um, just tell people, how can they find you? Is there a place online? Are you you more an Instagrammer or where? Yeah, where no, I'm uh, andrewmccarthy.com is my website. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and, and, and Andrew T. McCarthy. That's amazing. And so tell people one more time because your book is available. They can get their own copy. And it's basically like they're getting the opportunity to walk with you and your son. Well, hopefully that is the feeling that's created. Hopefully is that you're just walking step for step right along across the country with us. Yeah. Without breaking a sweat. <laughs> so walking with Sam is going to be available in all the bookstores. And I know you're going to be speaking around the country so they can come out and see you and get their book signed right there with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to going out on the on tour and getting across America. Yeah, very much. I think that would be great. Well, I really, really appreciate you spending this time with me. I hope your book has tremendous success. I, I loved reading it and I look forward to seeing you at the travel show next season. 
Okay, good. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot.